Captain's Log, Stardate 47634.44. I'm Captain Britton. And I'm Captain Spencer. These are the voyages of the Starship Soytrek, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where many have gone before. We're here. We have an intro, and it's great. Welcome to the bridge. Today, we'll be discussing Strange New Worlds, Episode 1 and 2, and Deep Space Nine, Season 2, Episode 6, Rules of Acquisition. But before we get into that, let's check in on what's new in the Trek universe. We got Trek news for you. Oh, yeah. The Star Trek universe was blowing up this week. Yeah? Over an opinion article published by Fox News. (laughs) Okay. Go go figure. Go figure. Go figure. What do we got? It's not incredibly long, so I'm going to read the entire thing. It's titled, Star Trek writers take Starship Enterprise where it's never gone before. Uh Woke politics. Okay. The, uh, the subtitle is, Even Our Entertainment is Awash in Bitter Partisanship by David Marcus. Oh, okay. Um, there is no more quintessential American story universe than Star Trek. Since its creation in 1966, the franchise has myriad iterations on big screen and small, basically invented the sci-fi convention and has charmed audiences across every generation. But in two recent episodes, writers crossed a line where no Star Trek has gone before. Oh my God. That is to say, they got directly involved in partisan politics. Wow. Tell me more, Brit. The first blatant example of electioneering on Star Trek Discovery was a cameo by current and former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams as none other than the president of Federation of Planets. The second was a weird plot twist in the pilot of the new show, Star Trek New Worlds, or Strange New Worlds, in which the 2020 Capitol riot is depicted and blamed for starting a second American Civil War and the destruction of the planet. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) And it, it says in the article, to put it more succinctly, Orange man bad. Nice. Wait, no, it actually says that in the article? It says that in the article, right? (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry. One quick question here. Uh, In the first paragraph, does it really say a myriad? Uh, No, it says myriad. I said myriad. So can you read the sentence with myriad in it one more time? No. Okay. (laughs) We're not going to get caught up on that. It just... I bothers me it, when people not, use that word incorrectly. No, it's it's had had uh, has had myriad iterations. Oh, okay. No, it was, it, was, okay. it was used correctly. Okay. This guy's actually a pretty good writer. Okay. All right. Um, to be fair, since the original 1960s series, Star Trek has always delved into cultural and societal issues. Mm-hmm. It has always been credited with diverse casts, with tackling issues like saving the whales, and with reflecting American and global foreign policy. All of that should live long and prosper, but these two recent incidents go a good deal farther. 
This isn't issue advocacy. It's pure partisan politics. Oh, this, okay. this is a part of a broader galaxy of problems, as we saw recently with Disney, which owns Star Wars, going to battle with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The central confusion here is the difference between showing broad support for things like basic civil rights and openly advocating for one political party's answers to securing them. So, for example, okay. almost everyone supports voting rights, but that isn't the same as supporting Stacey Abrams. Almost everyone condemns the Capitol riot and political violence, but that's not the same and placing unique blame on one single event from one side of the spectrum. Ultimately, the problem here is Wait. that, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I get what he's saying. And yeah, but all, I, okay. I, I, so I, I, I don't disagree that those two instances are a hundred percent cringe yes. and terrible writing. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, I, I'd rather they are cringe. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'd rather they not like just bring in fucking modern politics and the stuff. And I'd rather them use metaphor. Uh huh. But you know, it's shitty writing. Yeah, but I, I also like I also take issue with uh, his description of the January sixth attempted insurrection as like a partisan event. <laughs> that, <laughs> like. That, I mean, That's yes, true. it is a partisan event, right? But but it was like a pretty bad thing that it, happened. It was definitely a bad like thing, a pretty fucking bad thing. However, like, the fact that it was on a, like a video that Pike showed, oh, so cringe. about yeah, about the Second so American cringe. Civil War. I'm like, I mean, why don't you just you should show like the Bell Riots or something or like. An actual mm. thing that happened in the Star Wars universe because it's never mentioned Ooh, yeah, January Star- 6th in the yeah. Star Wars universe because yeah. it was never a hinge point because, yeah. you know, we, as, I mean, as bad know. as it was, it was insignificant because they fucking failed. Yeah, hard. I mean, we all know Luke Skywalker was a Republican. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he was a Republican fighting <laughs> against fascists because that's a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I am uh, only going to refer- make Star Wars references now because you keep saying Star Wars. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I, I will continue to say Star Wars. Wonderful. Um, uh, let's see. The irony is that all three new Star Trek live action shows are quite progressive in the diversity of their casting. And despite hysterical concerns about a backlash that never actually happens, everyone is on board as long as the story and the acting are good. Okay. I don't disagree with. I don't disagree with that. Artists can always have and should use their work to hold a mirror up to the culture and society, even to advocate for broad agenda items. What they shouldn't do is beam the equivalent of a 30-second Democratic Party political ad into the middle of a space adventure. Perhaps what America lacks more than anything today is a shared set of strong stories that help explain our world. Even our entertainment is awash in bitter partisanship. It leaves Americans too few places to ponder their lives and communities outside the context of red versus blue. I actually kind of agree with that a I lot. I kind of agree I, with I, it. I would, I would yeah. rather my science fiction uh-huh. work entirely in metaphor. Like, I mean, yeah. e- even though, um, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, The Expanse yeah. still deals with a lot of political problems, but it, it puts them in different boxes. And explains things through like a class warfare through like three different planets or two planets and the belters. And yeah, that's, that's amazing sci-fi. And like, it is, it's go. The problem is like them continually going back in time and dealing with like modern issues is not really science fiction at all. It's just a modern drama. That's true. You know? And you know, the, the new Trek's insertion of 
their takes on these issues is, as we have discussed at length, categorically cringe. It's like, very cringe. It's not yeah. very good. Like there are ways to write stories around the things currently happening in the world and mm-hmm. create interesting science fiction morality tales with those bones. Yeah. But you need to like abstract it a little bit and you need to like write and structure a good like story around it. Right. right. With, with with competently written characters that are believable and making believable decisions given the circumstances in which they are presented. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so and so in as much like the January 6th thing is whatever. They were just using it to serve a story and the story wasn't too bad. It was just a very cringe moment that took me out of it for a second because I was up to that yeah. point pretty much we, enjoying the yeah, episode. Yeah, we, we groaned pretty hard. Yeah, we like well, looked at each other and we were like, dude, uh, why? Well, but we'll, like, we'll talk about that more, I think, yeah, when we get Yeah, we'll get definitely get there. So episode, yeah. uh, I got one more paragraph here. Star okay. Trek is one of a handful, a uh, small handful of entertainment brands with the popularity, scope, and reach to be that shared story. But to do so, its creators must choose the universality over scoring cheap, predictable, and partisan political points. All I, right. I, I hate to admit it, I don't disagree with most of what he's saying. Sure, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I hate yeah. the title of the article I, yeah, I is hate, awful. I hate the, the title of the, the article. The title of the article is the like, worst. I hate that they're trying to play to that crowd. That's right. the part that I hate. Because, like, that, that, I don't disagree yeah. with what he's saying. Like, I feel like if it had a different title and it was like a piece in like the New York Times or something, yeah. like it'd yeah. be less cringe. Right, but the, the fact that they're also conflating the idea of wokeness with the Democratic Party... The Democratic oh, yeah. Party is not woke. <laughs> like and and that's what I I I prefer yeah. that Trek actually point out that it's not like the Republicans are doing a bad thing. It's hey, our society is going in a bad way because our society because, you know, capitalism. Yeah. It, it's not that there's one side with a solution. It's that they're everyone's killing the planet because mm-hmm. we're not prioritizing the planet and the people on it. We're prioritizing Profits and capitalism. Oh yeah! Speak of profits and capitalism, we watched an episode about that. We, we certainly did, and we'll we'll talk about yeah. that later. Um, nice. Yeah, but wow. uh, yeah, so that's that's Trek news for the week. Um, yeah, so Trek news for cool dudes. Trek news for cool dudes. Um, so with that, do you want to do you want to talk about the new Trek this week? Let's talk about some new Trek. All right. Let's let's, uh, let's start with Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds on the Enterprise with Captain Pike. We'll tell you how it goes and if it blows. If it sucks, we'll be screaming. Strange New Worlds. <laughs> uh... That was beautiful, Brent. Thank, thank, you, thank you. you. So we uh, thanks for that. We did. We watched two episodes of a new Star Trek series, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Yeah, from Paramount uh, uh, Plus. Yeah, let's uh, start with the first episode entitled uh, "Strange New Worlds." Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched this one uh, the day it came out, right after the very disappointing uh, Picard finale. Correct. Uh, May fifth, twenty twenty two. Cinco was, de Mayo. Yeah. It was yeah. uh, written and directed by Akiva Goldsman, who is a co-showrunner for this. And he's also the uh, writer of Batman and Robin. He is. And uh, interesting factoid here. Uh, he actually wrote the script for this, uh, mm-hmm. almost the final script for it, in May of 2020, almost two years ago. 
Interesting. Takes yeah. a long time for TV and film to get off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, starting off with this episode, we have uh, Captain Pike, right? Yeah. And he's uh, he's hanging out on a ranch riding a fucking horse. Yeah. So this is our introduction or our reintroduction to him. So right. Captain Pike is a character from Star Trek Discovery. Right. Uh, well, um, I mean, no, Captain Pike. Well, no, no, no. I know. I'm talking about like in the context of New Trek. Like that's how in, like in the context of New Trek, but in the context of actual Star Trek, Tre- yes. uh, Pike is the actually the oldest captain. And was on the very first pilot for uh, the original series. Yep. Um, but they decided not to go with him. They decided to go with Kirk. And Pike was then inserted into a storyline where he was uh, the ex-captain of the Enterprise. And uh, he stopped being the captain because he was burned and horribly mangled. Yeah. And then he's in the little robot thing and driving around. Doesn't he show up in some of the movies too? I don't know. Does he? I'm pretty sure he does. Uh, uh, Anson Mount does? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Not Anson Mount. A no, like, guy? like okay. Captain Pike as represented in Maybe. the original Star yeah. Trek films. Yeah. Oh. I'm pretty sure like, he shows he up in at least Star Trek 3. Okay. Right? Not Trish sure. For Spock? I don't recall, to be honest. I'm pretty sure. Because that was where that was my first introduction to Captain Pike. Yeah. Is because I remember watching one of the, the original Star Trek films with mm-hmm. my mom, and she was like, oh, that's Captain Pike. And I was like, who's Captain Pike? And she's like, oh, yeah, he got... Really burned by radiation, yeah. and like, because my mom, huge Trekkie for forever, so like she knew all about that and told mm-hmm. me what happened to Captain Pike. But uh, I was like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> but uh, so in anyway, in uh, some more backstory, Captain Pike in Discovery um, had visions of the future and saw himself getting burned, and so he's on at this point some shore leave to mm-hmm. kind of deal with that trauma. So I never saw that yeah. storyline, I guess, of Discovery. So I this this was like. Kind of confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, it it, it explains yeah. itself in the episode. It as does. It goes along. It does. So, like, it, it it makes more yeah. sense if you watch the discovery with it. Yeah, um, yeah. But basically, uh, in that, I think it, it kind of alludes to it in the second episode. I think that's actually going to be a recurring motif in the series. Yeah, is, uh, Captain Pike kind of dealing with the trauma of knowing. Like that when he's going to die. Not yeah. necessarily when he's going to die, but when he's going to be like horribly disfigured. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. He said he has a line in this first episode where he's like, I've seen the end of my life or the end of the man I am now. Yeah. You know, alluding to like, he's going to survive, but right. it's not going to be the same. Indeed. Um, yeah. So we're uh, introduced to him. He's on a ranch. He's on a ranch riding a horse and uh, Starfleet Admiral Robert April, uh, April, um, <laughs> Goes ahead and lands and uh, Robert says, April. Robert April uh, lands uh, in a, a Starcraft, and he's April like, "April computer." He's like, "Hey, Pike, we need you again. Uh, you need to uh, get back up on the USS Enterprise." Um, he's like, "Like, nah, I'm gonna try to get laid tonight." Absolutely. Because <laughs> um, he's like, "Hey, your your first officer, uh, Una Chin Riley, who is referred to as Number One." goes missing during a first contact mission. And that's Rebecca Romine. Romine? Is yes. Is that how we say her name? Correct. Yeah. Um, so Pike is reluctant to return to space and confides in Vulcan science officer Spock, who has just become engaged to T'Pring, uh, that he saw a vision of his own death during their mission with the USS Discovery. I didn't totally love the Vulcan scenes. Like no, the scenes of Spock and T'Pring I are like very... It's it wasn't horrible, but it's very like it's very fast paced and it's very like it's not the classic representation of Vulcans, uh, though they do make an effort. 
Yeah, it's fine. And like Ethan Peck is fine as he's Spock. Fine. He's like I, I prefer Zachary Quinto. He's he's better. Yeah. Uh but you know, he's fine. I, I, I accept him as Spock at this point. He's done a good enough job to where I'm like, you're you're a fine Spock. You'll you'll be a good second fiddle to, you know, Anson Mount, who is is much more interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, he's much more likable. But yeah, so the Okay, let's talk about these scenes for a second. So in these scenes, right, um, the first scene is Pike making breakfast for some lady he fucked, uh, which is yeah. tight. Yeah, Pike, like, Pike fucks, you know. <laughs> they're, like, portraying him as this dude who's just, like, mm-hmm. he's, like, riding a horse in the snow and, like, making hella giant breakfast for Hell some yeah. girl and, like, yeah. hanging out with mm-hmm. his wang out. He's got a big old beard, yeah. like, living that life. It's pretty yeah, tight. His hair's all his hair's all messy. He looks like he mm-hmm. owns a microbrewery. Yeah, in the first scene here. Uh, and, and in this scene, like the the girl he's with, whose name I don't remember, she calls his communicator a phone, mm-hmm. which some people on the internet found offensive, and I think that's funny. I, I feel like <laughs> phone might still exist up to that point because this is still yeah. a good like you know hundred years before the the TNG type stuff. Yeah, but it's also around the same timeline as the original series, which. You know, they call them communicators. It's like 10, 15 years before that, right? So it's, you know. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, they travel to the planet Kylie 279. Uh, you know, Pike says, okay, I got to I gotta save my oh, people. Wait. Oh, wait. So here's oh. another thing that's confusing to me. Mm-hmm. So this ship that makes the first contact, the ship led by um, his, first, his first officer, mm-hmm. Rebecca Romine. I always want to call her Rebecca Romine Stamos. Okay, it's it's, it's her name is number one in here. I know, I know, one. but like, okay, I got to talk about that really quick too. So Rebecca Romine, I always knew her as Rebecca Romine Stamos because the only thing I had ever seen with her in it was X Men, mm-hmm. in which she's credited as that. Yeah. That being said, though, I looked this up. Apparently, she was only married to John Stamos for four years. Yeah, and like, it was like that's not 2000s. her name anymore. Yeah, it that, hasn't been her name for like almost twenty time. years. Yeah. Like. I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, what? how am I so behind the times? I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. Uh, the, so the ship that she's on, the, that she's captaining, I, I guess, is she not a captain, but she's still leading a ship? That's, that's unfair It doesn't to me. really explain that. Yeah. Um, and then so, like, she is um, leading that, that ship, right? But the, it, it seems like there's only, like, a couple people that work on that ship. Like, it's not clear, like, what's going on there. It it's fleshing it out still. I'm not sure about that either. I was confused because like a ship requires quite a lot of people to run it. Yeah. And also, okay, we'll, we'll talk I mean, about it, that. It, it only really more. showed like the bridge crew though. And so maybe it was just like a smaller bridge crew. We don't know. No, but like when they go to the planet and they find the ship, the ship is derelict and there are no life signs aboard, but they only recover from the planet like five people. Really? Yeah. I mean, it only showed five people. Well, I mean, did they? There's a scene in there where they like go back to Starfleet, though, right? Mm, I don't remember a scene of them going back to Starfleet, but what I do remember is like, so they go to the planet, right? They, mm-hmm. they Pike gets on the Enterprise, they go to the planet, um, and then they go down to the, they go down and whatnot, mm-hmm. they do all their stuff, and they find like a cell that has like number one in it, and right. like four other people. Right. And then they beam all those people back to the ship. And then there's like the montage of them, like solving the planet's problems and shit. Yeah. It like never addresses it though. But like they go to the planet, the ship has no life signs aboard. They only rescue like five people. 
And apparently that's how many people you need to run a starship. I don't know. It, it seems I mean, the other people could have gotten killed. They could have gotten killed. Yeah. It's true. We don't know. Yeah, they could have gotten killed, know. and so they had a replacement thing aboard uh, the, the Enterprise. And yeah. Who knows? Who oh, knows? okay. Okay, one more thing, though. Yeah. Also, so, it, like, Robert April comes down. He convinces Pike to go on the mission right. on the Enterprise, and even though he has his reservations because of about, you know, getting horribly burned and disfigured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, in order to go up to the Enterprise, they take him up in a shuttle... They could have just beamed him up. Yeah, but then they beam him from the shuttle to the Enterprise. And it makes no sense. And it bothered me when I saw it. And then when I watched the episode again to prepare for this, it bothered me even more. So I just have to bring it up. Like they, It's like they really wanted a shot of like them going up to that the ship. That is bothersome. In, I actually yeah. didn't notice that. Isn't that, that annoying? Is, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So they, they fly him up there just really close to the ship and then beam him to the ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is wild. It makes no sense, but all right. So anyway, uh, they're they're down on the planet Kylie two seven nine, yeah, which is uh, kind of in a similar state to twenty first century uh, American Earth, and yeah. they're like on the brink of civil war. Oh, but 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 yeah, but before they do that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they um, the the doctor injects all of them with gene therapy to make their faces look like yeah. The they they go on in the disguise. Planet. Yeah, yeah, but. Okay, this is another point that bothered me mm-hmm. because, okay, so this is a first contact mission. Correct. They have never encountered this race before. But they have warp technology. But they have warp technology. As far as they know. As far as they know. But it's not but a warp But here's the ship. thing. If, no. they, if this is a first contact mission that went dark and they have not contacted the planet since, mm-hmm. how do they have genetic material from people on the planet in order to make gene therapy to make everybody look like them. Uh, I assume they could somehow beam up something like they could beam up a corpse and study its genetic material. They could. Yeah. There's a bunch of things they they could could do. They could. I, I, I'm not convinced that they did that. mm -hmm. I would have liked to have known. Yeah. And that was another thing that stuck with me when I was watching it. But anyways, they give them the gene therapy shots and they all start looking like, uh, the, the, People on the planet, and the, oh, but, but but also, uh, uh, she says the gene therapy can wear off, or it's uh, only going to work for. Oh so well, long. no, she says specifically to Spock. Yeah, your your genes are different. Right, I don't understand. Right, Vulcans, that's right. That's right. Yeah, which is okay. That's another thing that's confusing because she specifically says to 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 Spock, I don't understand Vulcans. Uh, How could she understand the the race that they just made first contact with? Then well and, enough and to do also, it. Also, also, this is also based on the assumption that somehow, like, uh. Y- y- Fucking world medical technology is superior than fucking Vulcan medical technology, or they haven't shared this technology. Yeah, like, like which makes no sense. Fucking, so what if you don't get it, lady? Fucking check the computer; it has all the information. Like, right? Yeah, that yeah. that's another thing that's confusing. So it's like I don't know that that Some is, inconsistencies there. Yeah, that is not not great. Um, but yeah. anyways, they give them the, the gene shots. They go down to the planet. Yep. And uh, uh, in on, on a rescue mission. Also, um, the captain is leading the away party. Yes, he is, which is the dumbest idea and something Makes I no hate sense. in Star Trek. Yeah. Thankfully, they don't do that on the second episode. But this first episode, fucking Pike needs to go down there because it's, you know, his number one. And uh, he's going to fucking do a speech at the end, too. So he's going to be down there. Mm-hmm. Um. So Pike and his crew, uh, they break in, rescue number one from captivity. And like four other people. And yeah, four other people that we know of. That we know of. uh, And um, break Starfleet's General Order One. 
mm-hmm. by interfering with a society to oh. convince them not to use the weapon. So okay, well, well hold on, we didn't yeah. explain the weapon yet. So the, the what they discover the, when they go down there is that they have observed warp technology being used in space with their telescopes, reverse engineered that from the what they saw with telescopes to create warp bombs to mm-hmm. bomb another like enemy country on the planet. Yeah. Um, which is and they and they did dubious. It, well, and they also did it from witnessing the discovery mission in nearby space, which I don't understand exactly how they did that since the discovery mission for the most part has a spore drive engine. I mean, they, they retrofitted, I think uh. in, in season three or something with an actual dilithium crystal engine or something like that. But, but most of it is, is just the spore engine, which they couldn't understand because mm-hmm. it's an experimental ship that only fucking exists in like discovery. That's a, a great point. And, and <laughs> discovery, it doesn't exist in the future of Trek mm-hmm. because discovery, uh, fucking goes way into the future mm-hmm. and they never see it again. Yeah. And so how did they get what warp, what warp technology from the discovery mission? Yeah. Again, unclear. Uh, yeah. That being said, they're really good at looking at teles- looking through their telescopes because yeah. they figure out warp technology as a result. But and this is a purely pre- to use as a bomb. This is this is a pre warp fucking race that somehow has sensor technology that's so astute it can figure out and reverse engineer warp technology. Yeah, it's 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 a dubious premise. It is. Uh, it's a little it's a little fuddy duddy. Yeah, that being said, right, so, like, uh, Anson Mount, uh, Captain Pike, he discovers this uh, when he goes down there, and he's like, they, they, he's like, what the fuck? They figured it out from looking at us? We need to mm-hmm. stop them from killing each other. Right, and so, fucking, uh, kind of right as when this is happening, um, Spock's fucking disguise starts to wear off because of his genetics. Uh-huh. And, and they're so then like, he puts his head down for a moment, uh-huh. and then puts his head back up, and he just looks like Spock and has a different hair hair style and yeah, everything. Yeah. Like it's very strange. It's it's really silly. It's uh, a really silly looking but, scene. But so yeah. the the fucking like leader of these people is like, fucking take them away. Mm-hmm. And so they take them away and like and they get into a discussion. She's like interrogating them in like this big hall. Yeah. And uh she's like, you know, what are you doing here? And the guy's like, you can't use uh fucking uh um Pike is like you can't use that weapon. You're gonna destroy everything. Yeah. I know because like my civilization has gone through this uh-huh. and she's like, I don't want to hear anymore. Fucking throw him in the brig. And he's like, all right, you leave me no other choice. And he calls up to the fucking uh, enterprise and he's like, all right, uh, come down to the planet, reveal yourselves uh, big dick em. And then yeah. like, and then you hear like a fucking like alarm siren go off and it's uh you know, every, there's a, a huge, like, panic, and everyone's like, holy shit. If there's a fucking spaceship They big-dicked us with a huge spaceship. We got to make peace. And so... Also, okay, so this is another this is another sticking point. Mm-hmm. Canonically, the, the first Enterprise was not capable of atmospheric entry. Really? I didn't um, know that. Yes. Interesting. So, canonically... I guess that makes sense because they that never... That is an upgrade that they added to later versions of the USS Enterprise. Interesting. So, this hmm. is a bit... Tiny cannon break there, yeah. a little bit. Uh, Th- that'd be hilarious if they're like, uh, "We can't do that with the engines, really." I mean, I guess we could. And then they, he's like, "Do it," and he like comes down and like the engines just melt everything on the surface. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, sorry. I think you're thinking of the Orville. <laughs> this, is yeah, a, yeah. this is something that would happen in the Orville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it would. 
It would. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, so there's a big civil unrest and like within the next scene, the entire planet had, has made peace. Yeah. Well, there's a bit of a montage after that where it shows like Pike talking to them and giving them, giving a speech. Well, and- well, no. So, so the speech is next. Oh, okay. Um, like, okay. like literally they make peace and then Pike, they invite Pike back. Oh no! Well, they they don't make peace. They, you're right. You're right. They, they they start talking. Well, yeah, they they, they, they start, start talking, dialogue. but but it's obvious that like, you know, they've gone from the brink of civil war to now they're a civilization figuring shit out, mm-hmm. and and then uh, the final uh, domino to fall for peace is they invite Pike back. And Pike makes a big rousing speech mm-hmm. and he shows his fucking slideshow with January 6 riots on it. <laughs> and and <laughs> yes, it's like, he does. and he's like, this is the point in which World War Three, our next uh, si- American was, civil war. Was, yeah, the second, uh, the second civil war in the eugenics war. Yeah. Is what he said right when the January 6th stuff was playing and they showed like the Hillary news and stuff like yeah. that. And I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. We, why? We groaned. The loudest when yeah. that happened. It was really something. I mean, like, I'm surprised they didn't make, like, a butthurt emails joke or something in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would have been great if they showed, like, a big QAnon flag. Oh. That would have been so funny. Uh, John Delancey holding a QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real QAnon. Yeah, dude. Right the real QAnon is making him not an immortal. What the fuck? Yeah. That's a uh, real conspiracy. Yeah, that's a real conspiracy right there. Picard. All right, so um, he makes the, the the big rousing speech, and so everyone comes to peace. Um, do. Enterprise is recalled to Starfleet, and uh, they, they have a meeting. They have a sit-down with them, mm-hmm. and they say, hey, you know what? Uh, you kind of really fucked up here, but due to the top-secret nature of the Discovery mission, um, we're going to let this pass, uh, just to keep this a big secret. But we need to, yeah. like double down on the fucking order number one. General uh, order one. General order one. And they're and like, they're talking about calling it the prime directive. And then Pike is like, oh, that'll never stick. Yeah. So, which is that, that, you know what? That was a fun moment. I was I fine with that. that. I, I was fine. That, that was actually not cringe to me. That was not a cringe. Um, moment. No, I, that felt like something in Star Trek that hadn't really been fleshed out yet. Uh, that, you know, was something that is a cool thing. Like, that was good fan service. Good fan service, right? Solid fan service. Thank you. Solid fan service. Um, so Pike then recommits to his role as captain mm-hmm. uh, and uh, recommits to a five-year mission of exploration on the Enterprise A. Yep. Q credits. I mean. Yeah. This, you know, I like this. I like this a lot. Uh, this was this was such a nice palate cleanser right after watching Picard, uh, uh, the finale. It, it was so night and day. Like, this felt like real Trek again. I mean, it wasn't perfect. There were some cringe moments. Um, there was, you know, some, some stuff that was dumb. I am not as hot on it. Yeah? I think it is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, okay, hear me out here. Yeah. I feel like I have a bit of, uh, Stockholm syndrome. Uh, and I feel like having been abused both emotionally and mentally by Star Trek Picard and how fucking terrible that show is, it is dog shit. Like, I feel like seeing something like this, I, 
you're right. It is refreshing. Mm-hmm. It is a palate cleanser after that. But I don't want to. I, I want to wait and see where it goes here. Because, oh, me too. Me too. And and because like the I, rug has been pulled out from under me by Alex Kurtzman so many times. Yeah, and, and like and you know that that combined with some of the like. Okay, here's some of my 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 own criticisms of it. I I do think that it is a solid episode, and it does feel much more like Star Trek than anything that they have done mm-hmm. in quite a few years, other than like maybe one season one Discovery episode. Yeah, the one where they go to that planet, like with the blue people. That was, I think, episode two or three of season two. I think maybe it is, but there's, there's like the, one yeah, there, episode there's, that's like kind of good. Episode, yeah, that's, and I mean, you know. You know the the first episode of Picard season two was promising. It was promising. I mean the You're the right. first couple episodes yeah. of almost every Star Trek New Trek thing. I'm like, hey, and then maybe I'm like, this is no. A- oh, and that's yeah. the thing is is yeah. I'm I'm skeptical too. Yeah. Uh, however, at the same time, if this was the first show they did in New Trek and this was the first episode they released, yeah, I'd I think be, we'd be stoked. A, yeah, I think we'd be a lot I'd be more positive stoked. on it. Yeah. Yeah, because this feels more like Trek than any of the New Trek has so far. I would agree. And yeah. Here's my criticisms, though, mm-hmm. and, and I do think that they're important. One, I feel like the pacing is too fast. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, they rarely give scenes time to breathe. Like, it moves very, very quickly, and they cram a lot into a, one episode. Like, it definitely feels like the sort of episode that would have been a two-parter in Old Trek, and it would have taken its time a lot more establishing all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they they cut it down so quick, it does, it feels, the pacing feels to me a lot like the way the pacing felt in Discovery, which is part of the reason I didn't like Discovery very much, Mm. that the episodes move so quickly that, like, it doesn't feel like old Trek because, like, the, it doesn't feel like the time is given to this stuff to, like, that makes sense. Have it give it more weight, right? Like, when they move so quickly past, like, that whole, like, planetary conflict, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it has a lot of weight. It just felt like, oh, this is like some little problem that we're going to resolve at the end of the episode. Like, it didn't feel like, oh, they're telling us something about our society through this. It's like, oh, this is just a means to an end. This is a tiny part of the episode. It felt very much like a premiere episode, too. In that that sense, it wasn't trying to actually like... And that's the thing. Maybe they messed up with that, but maybe they should have taken more time. Like, I love Encounter at Farpoint. A lot of people yeah. paid on it, but I yeah. think it's a great episode because it's, it's yeah. a two-parter and because it's so long and like wraps up so nicely and says a lot about all of the characters yeah. and humanity. It's it's just a great setup, yeah. especially for the character of Picard. Yeah. Like the fucking speech at the end. Because the thing I loved about Picard is more than anything, he was like a space lawyer. Yeah. Because yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of every episode, he's like arguing a fucking case somehow. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Because, like, he's so good at that. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, but, and we've never really gotten that in Trek so far, but I do feel like Anson Mount is, like, a really good orator. Definitely. And kind of has that, the a kind of a space lawyer feel to him. I, well, he's just a very likable actor. He is. He's and magnetic. He, he he's, looks yeah. great in the role. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, just him saying the stuff and doing the stuff, it's, it's really nice. It's, yeah. It, it's nice to it watch com- him. He it comes the, naturally. He him. is yeah. the strongest part of, of that series, like him, them building a series around that guy is really smart great because, idea. Yeah. like I said, he's really likable. I would just really like them to do like a long form story, and what I mean by that is like take your time, tell one story, and tell it really well. Mm-hmm. Like you can, 
you can weave in some other plot lines to like, you know, do some character development in something like that. And I, I think that they, it's a missed opportunity for them to do like a two parter where it like is really, mm-hmm. you know, really establishes everything. That being said, you know, like I said, positives, Anson Mount, he's great. Um, they did introduce all of the characters. They did and decently, reasonably. We got uh, we got given how new, how like yeah how crammed the episode is mm-hmm. and how like quickly it moves. I feel like they did a pretty solid job, all things considered. Um, but and it does it. You know what it felt like watching it. It felt like the uh, 2009 J.J. Abrams. You're not Star wrong. Trek film. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it did have that. It had that. The kind pacing of, vibe. of it as well was very similar to that. Very quicker than that, but yeah, yeah like even quicker than that. But yeah, it's very similar to that, and mm-hmm. it it had very similar energy. And I think that that's why it felt so refreshing. It's because yeah. like that film, you know, people have their issues with it. I. I still think it's fun. I think it's great. I it's, think it, it was a good Star Trek film. It's one of the better Star Trek films. It's, it's, up. it's a it's a good film. I no. it's it's a it's a whole thing. There there are problems with I, it. I put but. it on my top three Star Trek films. At number three. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um and that, yeah, then that's fair, because it, it is really enjoyable. And like this this I think like pulls from that really heavily. And I would like that to see them tip the balance a little bit more towards like classic Trek storytelling. But uh, that being said, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah. I don't hate it yet, which is nice. It's nice to not hate it. Yeah, it is. And it's nice after the second episode too. um, I didn't have the, the, the sinking feeling I did with like Picard to where like, Oh my God, this is getting worse. Yeah. No, uh, not quite. I didn't, I didn't love episode two though. So speaking of which, let's let's talk about episode two. Yeah, yeah, we want to get into episode two. Let's get do it. Episode two. All right. So episode two, Children of the Comet, uh, released on May twelfth, twenty twenty two. This one is written by Henry Alonzo Myers, mm-hmm. who is one of the co showrunners, and Sarah Tarkov. It is directed by Maja Vivillo. Yeah. So. Viv- So this one kind of centers around uh, a a new character, or not a new character, but kind of a new character. Uh, We we have Ahura back uh, from the original Star Trek, um, and she's a cadet here. Uh, I think she's a communications officer like uh, she was on the original Trek. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we have it kind of focused on her, and she's invited to a meal with other crew members in Pike's quarters. Um, and, uh, so she goes there and it's a big, long, cold open. Yeah. Uh, like it's a very long, cold open. I remember (laughs) when we watched it together, when the title hit, we were like, Whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. But so weird. So a lot of things kind of go awry for her and may and point her out, uh, and kind of single her out as the new girl. First off, uh, she shows up in like full Starfleet dress uniform Mm -hmm. and, uh, they're like, what, what, what are you doing? Like everyone yeah, is casual they, here. They play a joke on her. Mm. And then, uh, then she starts talking to, um, this new guy who I think is the chief engineer and he kind of mm-hmm. looks like a big moth and yeah. he's, he's blind. And I actually really like this character. I, th- I think he's just an Andorian. Is, is he just an Andorian? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. But he's blind. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Andorians in a while, so. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's, he's a blind Andorian and. Uh, him and Spock kind of explain like how Andorians have like better senses than everybody else. Pretty sure his name like is Himmer. I, Himmler. Him. Him. Wow. Himmler. I hope not. Um, 
Uh, I hope he's named after fucking a Nazi. That'd be amazing. The, yeah. Uh, Hammer. 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 Hammer okay. Yeah. Name. Yeah. Um, Heinrich Hammer. Is yeah. His name. Um, so at this dinner, uh, they kind of, you know, single her out cause she's the new girl and Pike is talking to her and she reveals that she's unsure about her future in Starfleet. And if she wants to remain in Starfleet, uh, because she says the only reason she joined was a way to escape uh, the pain of her parents' deaths. Which is pretty yikes. Uh, there's yeah. a moment, though, like when, uh, when okay, so the, in this scene, like they're, mm. they're doing like this dinner scene, right? No. Which I, I did like for the most part. I like, I like yeah. when they put characters in like context. And where I they can like just have when they focus on and build on specific characters of the crew. That's yeah. a very classic trick. And there's a, there's a moment where uh, Anson Mount, he's like, where do you see yourself in? A, and he has like a moment. Oh yeah, and he's that, like, that wasn't. But and that he's wasn't like, bad. ten years. Yeah, because it's it, like it's very obvious, you know, yeah, like him. Yeah, because he. Yeah. No, he he does it well. It's yeah, just like it was a it, it, was, a, to, it was a moment, it, but yeah, like was. there was no cut to him. Like it would have been funny if there's like a cut to him, like in the chair, like. Uh, oh yeah, he's just like drooling. He's like, where do you see yourself in? Uh, and she and then they're like, Captain, Captain. He's like, ten years. <laughs> Um, yeah. 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 Uh, also at the dinner table here, she keeps on humming a song. Uh-huh. Um, and they're like, what, what are you, what are you humming? And she says something. Um, does it's like a Nigerian folk song? S- something like that. Yeah. Nigeria. I, I don't want to get that wrong. Right. Um, but I will call it Chekhov's hum. <laughs> I think that's perfect for that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're welcome. That's the name of the episode. Ooh, Chekhov's hum. Yeah. Let's that's do it. That's pretty good. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. So after that, finally cut to credits. Um, yeah, big big cold open there. Big, big old cold open. We well, I I do like that. I love a cold open in a track. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Bring it back. So uh, you know, and I think that's twelve minutes into the episode. It's it's, it's pretty a long very episode, long cold yeah. open. I'm pretty sure twelve minutes. Yeah. So um, the Enterprise crew approach a planet with a giant uh, fucking meteor hanging or comet just right outside of the planet. Yep. Um, and the planet's like desolate. But there are life signs there. There is like a race of like basically sand peoples that are hanging out there. And it kind of shows their planet briefly. It's a desert planet. Mm -hmm. They live in like tents. There's no fucking water or anything there. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, they do like a simulation and Spock's like, hey, this fucking comet's going to wreck this planet. We need to like move it out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And but they find that there's a force field around the comet. And they're yeah. like, what? so they, they like try to shoot the comet out of the way or whatever. Yeah. And then, and hey, there's, there's a, a there's shields field. on this comet. And, and they're like more powerful than anything that they uh-huh. can fucking break apart. So they're like, obviously it's like an advanced technology. Yeah. So they're like, okay, well, we got to find a way to beam onto the, at, onto the comet. Mm-hmm. And so they, they beam down, they find a way. Which, okay. So like the, mm. there's shields up, you can't beam through shields. And then right. like the shields go down on the comet at for, some for point? just long enough for them to get on the comet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I that, that was I, I was know. a little confused I don't think with it that. explained that. Because yeah. like in the, once they're on the comet, then they the like, shields are back up. They can't beam them back. Right. And then all of a sudden they can and it's like I don't know. It's Well, they can for a reason. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um so Uhura joins a team that transports down to the comet uh, that also includes Spock, uh, some other lady um, who it's trying to push here. Um, and, uh, wait, I thought it was Spock and Samuel Kirk and 
Yeah, it was Uhura. Samuel Kirk and uh, and Uhura, and then some other lady, the blonde lady with a pony, or the brunette lady with a ponytail. Oh, La'an Noonien Singh, I believe is who you're talking about. Is it? I don't know. The security officer? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, La'an yeah. Noonien Singh. Okay. That's her name. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. Yep. Um, so they go down to the comet, mm-hmm. um, and they like enter this big atrium and discover that they're trapped on the comet. Yeah, um, but that's when they find out that shields are back up. They can't get beamed off the comet. And, and there's a big egg. There's a giant, this, weird, like, stone egg in the atrium, right? Yeah, in the center yeah. of it, yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? Uh, is this egg controlling it? Speaking of which, at this mm. point in time, when mm. they're in this big room with the egg on the comet, they're wearing, like, spacesuits. They are, but then they... But, well, no, no, we'll get to we'll get to that. But no, yeah. they're, they're wearing spacesuits, okay? So they got, like, the full face mask and everything. And they're they're on a comet in a in a a building on a comet where there's a big weird egg, and then they start fucking with the egg. They start fucking with the egg, and the egg's not happy. The egg is not happy. The egg starts glowing. Spock yep. is like, "I'm detecting energy readings from the egg," mm-hmm. and then Samuel Kirk is like, "I'm gonna go touch the egg." And, and he's Samuel like, Kirk... "You can't touch no egg." And, got... <laughs> and the egg is like, "Man." Fuck you! And, and blast him. Blast the fucking shit out of it. Blast that mustachioed motherfucker out of the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just fucking take his helmet off. Okay. They just okay. take his well, helmet no, no. off. Before they take his helmet off, they're uh. like, oh, his heart has stopped. Let's use the defibrillator on him. But here's the thing. Okay. So somebody wrote this on the IMDb goofs for this for this episode, and I didn't know this. Check this out. Spock revives Lieutenant Kirk using a defibrillator function in his spacesuit after Kirk's heart has stopped. Defibrillators do not restart a stopped heart. That's true. Their it's function is actually yeah. to stop a heart so that it may naturally restart in a normal rhythm if a patient is experiencing dysrhythmia, yep. sick band, oh, yeah. as the result of an event such as a heart attack. That is correct. So, so if, like, it, if his heart stopped, they would need paddles. Mm, Which yeah. to like, yeah, it's, it's a very different thing than a defibrillator. So, anyways, they revive him or whatnot, and they're like, "We got to take his helmet off." Mm-hmm. And you and I, were, when we were watching this, we were like, "Wait, what the fuck?" And then, Are and then they suddenly, in space? suddenly, everyone just takes their helmet off by the next scene. Yeah, everyone just, just takes their. They're like, "Well, I mean, I guess he's still alive. I don't know." Yeah, um, they're like, "We've stabilized him." And and let's and, take you know, our helmets off. Oh yeah, well, like on this on this comet this comet with no atmosphere but there are force fields up around there so apparently so, yeah. there are life fucking support systems on the comet either that or like and, and also like did they put them back on before they're beamed back because they'd have to otherwise they'd be sucked out into the vacuum of space before they could get fucking energized i don't know man yeah i'm really fucking there's a confused. lot like, there's it, a lot there that's dumb it, it really doesn't make sense uh, that was a confusing thing. So, so then, so we we go back to the ship at this point. Yeah. Um, and there, it reveals who is put in, uh, who's put up the force field in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's a starship, uh, with a alien race called the shepherds. Yeah. Uh, who are escorting the comet, um, which they have named, which they have named, uh, Mahanit. Yeah. Uh, and they, they've, uh, put the comet in between themselves and the enterprise. And they believe that Mahanit is an ancient arbiter of life. Yeah. And it's like holy to them. And, they, um, and their duty is to protect it. Yeah. Uh, fun fun fact here. Um, yeah. The Shepherds originally were featured in a couple Voyager novels as arbiters of dark matter. Oh, interesting. And so this, okay. I don't know if they actually took the Shepherds from that, but 
their role here actually fits in almost exactly with that lore. So I think that's kind of cool. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're like, you can't fucking touch that comet. If you touch that fucking comet, we will blast your shit out of the sky. Like it's holy to us. Don't fuck with it. Yeah. Uh, so the enterprise, uh, goes ahead and like, fucks around and finds out. Yeah, so, like, and these dudes are in a giant ship. They're, like, really powerful. Yeah, with, like, ancient fucking space technology. Yeah, and they're, like, brutal. And, like, they make that clear, too, because they're like, what do they got? And they're like, oh, they got all this these fucking guns and shit. Mm. They're going to own our ass. Like, if we fuck with these guys, we can't fuck with them. And then they're like, we're going to fucking beam our dudes out. So they, like, try to beam them out. They can't beam them out. And then... And so... Yeah. This, uh, so they get into like a fucking space fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, uh, fucking how, and they end up like beaming them out. Oh, okay. So that's what no, happened. No, no. So, so yeah, lot, before that, yeah, yeah whoa, before that, yeah. So, okay. Whoa, so, whoa. so, so, uh, while the enterprise is distracting them, we go back to the planet and Uhura, she's singing her song again. Yeah. She's, she's kind of humming, song. humming the song and the egg seems to be like responding to it according to energy readings and shit. And like yeah. Spock's like, what the fuck is up with this? And she's like, wait, 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 help me sing this song. Maybe the key to this egg is harmonizing. Yeah. And so she makes fucking Spock sing this song with her, which is <laughs> it's cringe pretty as fuck. Yeah. It's pretty um, funny. It's, uh, it's, it's well, so pretty dumb. They, and they it, figure out there's a musical uh, key to get into, to control the thing. Yeah. And so they sing songs to it. Uh-huh. Them, uh, so those three people, mm-hmm. so Spock and Uhura and, and the security La'an, officer, yeah, Laon Noonien Singh, yeah, uh, you know, presumably and, fucking uh, Kirk Kirk's brother here is not dead yet. No, not dead yet. Well, he's got to die on that ex- episode of TOS, so he's not dead yet. He's he lives to die another day. Ah, uh, yeah, die like, another episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, like like that. That's my favorite James Bond movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. She starts singing. The, she makes them harmonize a major chord, and that mm-hmm. like unlocks something and makes the thing do some stuff. And then the Shepherd Boys, they kind of de- they they detect that this is what's happening, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What the fuck?" They're like, "What the fuck?" And so you know they they're like in the space battle, and then they they kind of stop and everything. And this uh, the egg somehow this gives them enough time to beam everyone back aboard, and then they're like, "Hey, Spock." We still need to move that shit. Or else it's going to annihilate this planet. Yeah, so Spock is like, okay, I'm going to get on a shuttle and, like, go back to the the fucking comet and, like, mm-hmm. tow it away from the planet. Though, this this is this is confusing. This was an editing thing that was weird mm-hmm. because in the episode, and somebody actually wrote this down and I wrote this down as well, but, like, check this out. So, in that scene, you see Spock on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Then, then Pike, like, bluffs um, the the shepherds like he's lying to the shepherds to try to buy Spock some time, right? And then he is just shown outside in a shuttle next to the comet immediately after. Yeah, it was. Meanwhile, it was the bridge scene is just happening in real time, mm-hmm. and so it's like there's literally no time given for that to have happened. It just happens instantly. Yep, which is weird. And but, so, so they do they do a big loop to do, mm-hmm. and uh, the fucking um. The comet ends up getting very close to the planet, but they end up staving it off. Um, mm-hmm. And in doing so, uh, the 
the comet ends up shedding a whole bunch of water vapor into the atmosphere via ice. Yeah. Which apparently improves the conditions of life. And so yeah. the fucking Mahanit, after all, was a harbinger of life, like the fucking, like the shepherd said, which is pretty, pretty cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that writing. That wasn't bad. Um, okay. So you want to hear some nerdy shit? What's that? Okay. So when the, we, we didn't talk about how the bluffing transpired, but mm-hmm. suffice it to say, like they, uh, maneuver the enterprise in between the comet and the shepherd ship mm-hmm. and, or is it, it, it's between the, the comet and the planet, Right. right? And because if the the comet takes the ship down into the planet, mm. they Pike says this. Pike tells the then somebody wrote this down on the IMDb goofs, and I think it's interesting. I didn't mm. know this. Pike tells the shepherds that the trilithium resin in the Enterprise's warp core will detonate on impact with the comet and destroy it. Trilithium was considered an experimental substance in the twenty right. It was because trilithium is what allowed them uh, warp ten, right? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure on that one. This story takes place in the 2250s. Right. Trilithium would not have existed. Additionally, trilithium is a nuclear inhibitor that stops fusion reactions, which would be antithetical to use as part of a ship's propulsion system. Interesting. So apparently somebody dropped some, some deep nerd lore. I can't verify that. That's just IMDB, but it sounds legit. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Could be. All right, so here's another thing that, that bothered me is that when the shepherds show up, mm-hmm. they show up and fire on the Enterprise without anyone noticing. They don't notice until they are being fired upon. Right. Somehow Which... they missed the entire ship, and the ship wasn't cloaked, so they just never <laughs> noticed. And <laughs> maybe maybe they have sensor cloaking technology. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to give a lot of leeway to an ancient race like this. Mm-hmm. Okay, especially if they're doing something mystical with a fucking comet who responds so, to music. So me too. But then mm-hmm. Spock yeah. sneaks out of the Enterprise, shoots the comet with his shuttle, mm-hmm. and then gets back on the Enterprise without the <laughs> advanced alien ship. Noticing. See, I don't know if they knew or not, or knew that <laughs> that was kind of part of the plan, because that's what his doing that kind of is what like sheared off the ice and like fucking got that into the atmosphere. So, uh-huh. so maybe they knew that that was part of the plan. I like to believe that the shepherds are kind of you know uh, at least semi-omniscient kind of ancient species who kind of knows what's going on. But they told the Enterprise people if they interfered with the comet, they would kill them. Yeah. Just saying. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they were bluffing too, just like Pike. They can they can bluff too. We can all have a good bluff, right? Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, anyways, so basically that happens. The The ice goes into the atmosphere of the planet. It starts raining everywhere on the planet, the desert planet, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, they then say is going to help the planet quite a bit and grow more, more shit mm-hmm. stuff, which is, okay, cool. And then they're like, um, and then Ooh. at the very yeah. end, can you explain this part, this end part? What was the end part? Where they explain why they think that... Spock doing what he was doing was predetermined. 
That that's what I was just kind of talking about. It's just it's so confusing. So it is it's it's playing off like a, a freak accident is well because they were trying to also be like, hey, why were the fucking shepherds okay with this? Well, maybe they knew it was predetermined, and this was something that was kind of fate, and like he wasn't actually interfering because that was the fate of the comet, mm-hmm. the Mahanit. Yeah, yeah, Mahanito. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Ooh, another thing I thought was great. Um uh they say before they beam to the comet that it has like half of Earth's gravity, mm-hmm. but once they're there it just has Earth's gravity, 100%. <laughs> it's not like moon gravity at all. It's just Earth's gravity. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz it's a sound stage. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, was, yeah that's true. Why 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 even write that line if you're not going to like put the effort in at all? Yeah. Um uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a great point. Um Mahanit sounds like something you could order at a Mediterranean restaurant. Definitely, like a shawarma <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah, can yeah. I have a large Mahanit? <laughs> yeah, hey, and bo- a falafel hey, sandwich. Hey, boss, you want uh, sheep or goat? Oh, good question. Let's let's go with a goat. Let's go with a goat. It, All right, chief, it's on you. Like, <laughs> God, I, lo- I love every kebab place has a guy yeah. that calls you boss or chief, and I fucking love that. Yeah, they're like... Yeah, yeah, like what you want, boss, and I'm oh, like, so oh, good. yeah, so good. Got you. We love that shit. Give me that. Give me the falafel. Give me the. You, you never, you never see anyone getting like falafel uh, in in the replicator. You think they're like yeah. racist? Uh, fuck, I don't know, man. I mean, we we know you don't do soul food in the replicator. Uh, that's explained why on the on uh, DS9. Yeah, Star Trek DS9. Fucking uh, yeah. Cisco's dad is yeah. like, you don't fucking make soul food in the replicator. That's you trash. Can't do it. Yeah, uh. you got to make it by hand. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Uh. This episode is okay. Um. Mm-hmm. I could have done without the like the musical thing. Yeah. It was. It, you can do episodes like that. There's another sci-fi series I watched where they did an episode about like a controlling things with music. Probably Stargate. Could have been Stargate. It sounds Stargatey. I, you haven't watched Stargate yet, and I I've we, watched episodes here. We got to do that sometime because mm. I have I have I have watched Stargate SG One all the way through mm. like at least three times. Wow, and it is it is an incredible show. Well, it that's not so what good. this show's about. No, it's not. But anyways, uh, this isn't Soygate, Spencer. Oh wow, <laughs> that's nice. No, it's not. I could well. You you know what's up with like people adding gate to everything? You know what I mean? Like anytime there's a controversy, it's a something gate. Yeah. There. Yeah. What What's your favorite gate? Um, Bill Gate. <laughs> nice. This episode is okay. It's it's a Star Trek episode, I guess. Sure. Yeah, it's a Star um, Trek episode enough. It was kind of yeah. corny. The long open wasn't my favorite thing, but I do like them actually like focusing and building up a character. And Uhura yeah. was like, the, the actress who plays her was good in this episode. I thought she was good. The acting was all pretty good. The writing wasn't bad, but there were some inconsistencies. I didn't yeah. like it as much as the first episode, but it didn't give me the doomy sinking feeling like the next episode's going to be fucking garbage. Yeah. But we don't know. We I, don't know. I came off of that first episode feeling pretty okay about mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I think that it. First episode's all right, even though it moves too fast, especially yeah. at the end. I, I think it's an okay episode. Um, this one I I didn't I didn't love, but I didn't hate it. I thought the pacing was a little bit better. In pacing here. was a little bit better here. I but feel at like the same time the story wasn't quite. It wasn't as, as strong. Like I feel if the if the the story was stronger and they had 
the same kind of pacing, it still would it would have worked. I, yeah, I do feel but, like the episode was better paced. Much yeah, better and I'm paced. I'm wondering if they're just kind of you know getting their footing here. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll yeah, see. We'll and, see. and that it becomes stronger. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, so yeah. we're still at okay levels. For oh, me. okay. I, uh, Comparing it on the full spectrum of Star Trek, I'd say oh, the spectrum of I'd Star say, Trek. I'd say it's about average or better. Is that is that different from the autism spectrum? Is there any difference? Very little. <laughs> I mean, there's it. You know, it's it's a it's in the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum within the spectrum. It's like a double rainbow. Yeah. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, um, so the soyest moment of this episode, one might think it was when Uhura and Spock were singing together, but it wasn't. <laughs> About eleven minutes in, Pike uh, Pike like goes, "I love my job," and that was oh. so cringy. Yeah, that was that, that was, was so, that was so that, cringe. That was, that was so, so unnecessary. That, that's like the type of fucking Joss Whedon writing that I hate on New Trek. That I wish they mm. didn't have. That like side eye kind of here's a clever line, like or science science fucking rocks. Like uh. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of that stuff either. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's very it's very cringe when characters make declarative statements that almost break the fourth wall. It's yeah. like, it's like not quite. Yeah. But it's the, like that, that oh, sort well, of like. this is happening. Wink and nod. Yeah. Fuck. Let's set up this thing and you're that, really going to hear That's some soy it. shit. Don't, don't write like that, please, Star yeah, Trek writers. it's lame, dude. Yeah. Like, you can just have them be reasonable people that they don't have to like. Comment to the audience about what is happening. Not like not strange. everyone is like funny and clever and can pull it off like Carl Logan. Not Carl Logan. Carl, <laughs> Whoa! Carl, Whoa. Carl. The, the guitar player from Manowar that was arrested for chi- possession of child pornography. Carl he, Logan. He was pulling it off a bit too much. Whoa! No, Carl Carl Urban. Sorry, who plays Bones? Oh, Carl Bo- Urban. Okay. Carl Urban. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Different, okay. different, different, different Carl. Very different Carl. <laughs> Uh, uh two ca- or two Carls, yeah. Yeah, but uh that was all the new trek this week. Do that we want to Do we want to dive into some classic trek? Uh I would love to dive into some classic trek, but first. Oh yeah, we've got a the thing. Klingon word of the day. The day is magmig, which means a dark omen, a sign of evil coming. It is a noun. Um, the plural form of magmig is magmigmi. This noun is made of the parts mach and mig. Magmig. 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 Excellent. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. You know, my. I would describe, I, w- I think that uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds Episode 1 would describe January 6th, 2021 <laughs> as a mock <laughs> <laughs> Excellent use in a sentence. Well done. I like Thank that. You. All Thank right. you. Thank so, you. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's, jump let's, into let's it. dive into some Deep Space Nine. Now we're watching some Deep Space Nine. Now we're 
Brit picked DS9, which I'll say for the record, I love DS9. Mm -hmm. Big fan. Uh, we did a random number generator, and we ended up with season two, episode six, the rules acquisition. Indeed. Which is a fucking classic Ferengi episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So, like, I mean, those those first couple seasons of DS9 are rough. Like, there are some episodes in there that aren't necessarily bad, but they are boring. Mm -hmm. But there, uh, there are some bangers. Spencer. Mm. You forgot the theme song, brother. Oh my god. Go let's 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 rewind way back here. All right. Uh, that was beautiful, Britt. Wow, thank you for that. That was a that was a blessing upon my ears. Absolutely, that was truly wonderful. So uh, yeah, we've got uh, Deep Space Nine season two, episode six, Rules of Acquisition, mm -hmm. released on November eighth, nineteen ninety three. Wow, that's a long time ago. Uh, this one was written by uh, Iris Stephen Bear, who I believe at the time was not showrunner yet. I think it was still Rick Berman, but mm -hmm. uh, he was the head. Um, uh, writer at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Later to become showrunner. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also the guy credited with the most episodes of DS9. I think he wrote like 52 episodes. That's a fucking That's almost, lot of almost a third of the entire series. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. I mean, the dude just fucking put out episodes. Dude just writes. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, this is one of the early episodes focusing on the Ferengi, mm -hmm. which Man, there's such a difference between like there's like memes that go around where it's like TNG Ferengi episodes and it's like Ugh, and then like DS9 Ferengi episodes and it's like yeah. yeah. Like wow, what a difference in approach when it comes to like it talking is. about these characters. Like they made them into like rad characters. Yeah, well and, the like, thing they, is they, they actually they... take the time to flesh them out and not make them like, you know, characters and Maybe, maybe really offensive Jewish characters. Maybe racist. Maybe anti-Semitic. Not sure. Kind of feels like it on TNG. Yeah. Not on DS9, though. No, on, on DS9, no, 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 no. like, it, it fleshes them out to where... And they just become, like, an allegory for capitalism and, yeah, like, in American society. And, and, and there's so many, like, but there's so many, like, redeemable attributes to them. Yeah, and, like, yeah. interesting explanations. And much like the Klingons. Like, yeah. the Klingons, at least in, in TNG, get a lot more backstory and credit to them. Uh, unlike the Ferengi. Um, but that's because Ronald D. Moore worked on both... Fucking TNG and DS9. And you get a lot more Frank, uh, uh, Klingon episodes once he and Worf join. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, this episode's a banger. So, mm -hmm. we got... Okay. The Gamma Quadrant, right? We're still in the early days of the Gamma Quadrant. Mm -hmm. We're still figuring out how to do business there. Of course, the Ferengi want a piece of that, right? Right. So Grand Negus Zek, he plans to establish a business presence in the Gamma Quadrant. Uh, Grand Negus Zek, also played by Wallace Shawn. Love Wallace Of Shawn. Uh, inconceivable fame. There, there you go. You know yeah. exactly who we're talking about yeah. now. Um, yeah, he's got such a voice. He uh, does. It's so weird. <laughs> like, you're just doing Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Hello, no, that's, hello me, it's me again, and then, inconceivable. <laughs> yeah, you're just doing Dave Mustaine. It's, it's slightly different. 
Okay. <laughs> it's, it's it's a Thanks. little more throatal. Like uh-huh. it's a little less scratchy because uh-huh. you got to go at eh, with with Dave Mustaine. This guy's like eh, eh, eh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, Zek is going to appoint Quark as his representative to negotiate with a species called the Doci, who have mm-hmm. terrible makeup, terrible fucking makeup. So the Doci makeup is just like it's like a black and white oh, squares. Oh, it's it's, like, it's 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 no. You know what it is? What? Um. You know who did their makeup is Wes Borland. <laughs> from Limp yeah. Bizkit. Yeah, it's West Borland. They're just West Borland, the West Borland species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they look like a cross between like West Borland and um, the like January 6th, like Trump shaman guy kind of. Maybe. They look like um, like if West Borland was a football team. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I could well. see that. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or if like West Borland had a big buff gang on the Warriors, they look like this. Oh yeah, that's uh, a that's a great that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Quark asks Pell, one of his employees, to assist him. Pell proves to be a valuable assistant. However, unbeknownst to Quark, Pell is a female. 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 Um, yeah. So Ferengi females, they're Ferengi are, are a very like male dominated repressive culture. Mm-hmm. And as a result, uh, women are not allowed to do anything. They're not allowed really. to. Uh, so they're not allowed to wear clothes. They're yep. not allowed to do business. They're not allowed to gain profit of any sort. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to have their own accounts, their own homes, their own property. Mm-hmm. They are basically property. Yeah. Um, and interesting fact, actually. Yeah. So uh, Pell, um, the uh, female Ferengi here, mm-hmm. is one of two female Ferengis ever to appear in Star Trek. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, other, really? Like, yep. the, like there's Quirk's mom, obviously. Yeah, and that's it. What? Yeah, that that was in the the, the facts <laughs> of this episode. I'm Holy like, fuck. what? That's nuts. That seems crazy to me. I know uh, that that does seem crazy to me. But okay, because like Quark, Quark's mom is all over the place. Yeah, and she's in like the games and shit like that. But she's like pretty much the only female Ferengi that you ever see. Besides Pell. Besides Pell for oh. one episode. <laughs> yeah, which is nuts. To yeah, me. that is nuts. Th- thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, anyways, she's keeping her identity a secret because she's, you know, she doesn't want to get caught. She wants to make profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she confesses such to uh, Jadzia Dax, mm-hmm. um, who, is, who has a soft spot for Ferengi. Yeah. Um, Dax likes the Ferengi quite a bit and mm-hmm. hangs out with them, um, plays games with them, and... She becomes uh, friends with uh, with Pell, and Pell can, be, can confesses to her, like you know, hey, I'm a woman, and I'm falling in love with my boss, Quark. Right. I which, want that Ferengi yeah. dick. Yeah, yeah. What do you think Quark's dick is like? Um, tube grubs. Yeah, it's a it's a big tube grub. <laughs> it's just a. Yeah. As, you as, know, you know that Rom has a bigger dick than Quark, though, for sure. Right? Yeah. Well, Rom. That's why he's fucking. That's why he's smashing the Dabo girls, baby. Yeah, dude. Like he doesn't have to pay for that shit. They are yeah. all over his fucking, a uh, fucking CD Rom, baby. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, Quark and Pell uh, are tasked to go to the Dosai and ask to purchase ten thousand vats of Tularberry wine. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, they're close to making a deal when Zek changes the game. He wants Quark to get a hundred thousand vats, ten times as many vats. And Which, like, like they were already having. They, yeah, they, so at first it was five thousand, and they're like, 
uh, no, not fine. And then he convinces them to do 10,000 and they finally fucking agree to it. Uh, but then fucking, uh, grand Negazek fucking pl- changes the game. And they're like, that's impossible. Why the fuck do you do that, dude? Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, totally. So like when they go back to the, and the th- doci to, to negotiate mm-hmm. or they track them down, they, they like, uh, the doci initially are just like, fuck you. Like we're we, not dealing we with We can't you. do a hundred thousand. And they bail. And then yeah. they follow them through the wormhole and go to some place they are on the, their home planet. The, yeah, the doci, the, doci do the home planet <laughs> in the, uh, in the gamma quadrant. And they go and talk to them. They, they learn that like they that doesn't exist. Like there's, there isn't more than that on the doci home planet. Mm-hmm. And through this, through this conversation that they have, they learn about someone called the dominion. Yeah. Who uh, they could potentially talk to, to get that much. Right. And this is actually the very first mention of the dominion in all of Star Trek. That's so exciting. All of Star Trek. I love that they built on that idea and they planted it so early because like, we don't see, we don't start seeing dominion shit for a while. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, the Ferengi are actually credited with the species that makes first contact with the dominion. Interesting. Which is super weird, huh? Yeah. Right. That's rad. I love that. Um, so Quark and Pell returned to DS9. Well, they were gone. Well, they were gone. Quark's brother, Rom, jealous of Quark's preference for Pell over him, discovered Pell's true identity. He tells Quark, who realizes his career would be ruined if he was known to have done business with a female. 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 Quark confronts Pell, offering her money to leave and start a new life in order to save her and himself from punishment. Mm-hmm. Pell confesses her feelings for Korg and pleads with him to come with her to the Gamma Quadrant where no one would mind that she is a Ferengi female who makes profit. Right? Which is a pretty sweet deal. That is a sweet deal. I mean, deal. They, they, could, they could be, like, on the forefront of trading in in the Gamma Quadrant. Like, yeah. Grand Negazeki isn't even there yet. Like, they're his emissaries getting his foot in the door. Yeah. They could cut Grand Negazek out and make their own Ferengar in the Gamma Quadrant, if they wanted to. Ferengar. Ferengar. Ferenganar. Ferenganar. <laughs> I like Ferengar, though. That yeah, sounds that tight. sounds better. Yeah, um, it almost does. Yeah. And so, anyways, Quark refuses, even though he has feelings for Pell, mm-hmm. which is a fucked up moment. Like, it hurt. Yeah. Like, we were watching that, and you were like, that's fucked up. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's basic. Quark, Quark, I mean, he's not gay, but he's definitely bi. Like Quark, Quark was into it before he figured out Pell was a girl. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Before he saw the the, the uh-huh. fake lobes and the trash can or whatever, he was like, "I'm gonna fuck this little fucking twink. This little t- Ferengi twink is gonna get topped by the <laughs> Quark boy up in here, yeah. like Quark Daddy." Ooh, yeah, that's that's distressing. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. like, "I'm gonna fucking." Make a, a fake quark park in the fucking in the hollow suite, and we're gonna fuck in the bushes. Me and that <laughs> little twink boy. All right, <laughs> I'm hey. gonna breed profit all over her. Him, him. Whoa, her. Whatever. Yeah, he doesn't know what to think anymore. Yeah, yeah. So they go to a dinner uh, with uh, Grand Naked Zek and his associate, and uh, Rom and Quark and Pell. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and then Pell shows up, right? Yep. Um, and she confesses her identity to Zek, and Zek tries to like fuck with him, but like ultimately, it becomes clear it's better for everybody if they just, you know, let it happen. Yeah. 
right? I think that's one of the rules of acquisition, bros before hoes. It is. Yeah. Definitely. And they're like, well, also profit before anything. So we're making so much money here, we might as well just like let this happen. Yeah. And they do. Let it happen, baby. They they do. This is, I feel like, a good example of like the gray politics of Star Trek. Yeah, Deep but Space also, Nine but also the gay politics of Star Trek. Because this this episode was super gay, mm-hmm. super pro gay, in its own weird way. <laughs> um, How you figure? I mean, you know, because it was like, well, this is totally natural for like, you know, for him to fall for someone who, I mean, just for because they like them and are impressed with them as a person. Yeah. But then also pointing out that you know it was wrong of fucking. You know, and it's a sad moment when Quark fucking pushes her away. He pushes yeah. Pell away. Like, that's yeah. obviously a moment where, like, hey, Quark's in the wrong. Because, I mean, otherwise he was just going to fuck this dude and be cool with it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I, guess, I guess, yeah. Because he right. would if, if he, yeah. he would have not found out uh-huh. that she, Pell was a girl, he would have fucked that bussy and called it a day. I suppose that's true. He I mean, would that's have what we have to assume. crammed that pussy full of his ear. The pussy, sorry. The ear? That th- that th- whole th- ear? That they, them, the thussy. Uh-huh. Yeah, he put his whole fucking earlobe right in that, that thussy. Uh-huh. That was thussy. That yeah. Ferengussy. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, like, Pell gives uh, Quark a heartfelt goodbye, leaves yeah. to go live in the Gamma Quadrant. Uh, he asks for a Pell Grant. <laughs> uh, Pell Grant, right? Yeah, yeah, no, right. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, more like the Pell Riots. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a riot in fucking Quark's pants. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, so much civil unrest and confusion up in there. <laughs> they ain't that the truth. Um, end of the episode, Dax comments to Quark that he's going to miss Pell, and he gives a, a look. A look, Indicating like, that, yes, that's the truth. Yeah, like, is, I really wanted to smash that Ferengusi. Pretty much. I'd love if that's how every Ferengi episode <laughs> ended. Yeah. That would actually be perfect for every yeah, Quark would. episode, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, this this was a pretty good episode. I, I liked it's it a lot. It's a classic. It's a classic. It's a, um, it's a great it's a great episode about the Ferengi. Rom isn't portrayed particularly well in this episode. No, but, but he, he grows as a character, though. Yeah. He definitely grows yeah. from just being, like, basically a manservant for his brother to, like, yeah. the whole unionization thing. And then he joins Starfleet as a commissioned officer or a non-commissioned officer and all that. Yeah, yeah. Realizing yeah. his potential as an engineer mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, it's cool. They really built him out. Mm-hmm. Such a good dude. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's an iconic episode. It's fantastic. It's a great uh, you know, moment of Ferengi culture. What what's our favorite episode of the series? Or or of the of the three today? What's our episode of the oh, week? Oh, definitely this one. Yeah. Rule rule of acquisition, one. without a doubt. Yeah, I definitely mean, this one. It's always, if it's if there's a DS9 episode in the mix, there's only like five DS9 episodes that aren't good. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. There, no, there are more than that. 
there no, are more than there's, that. There's, there's some average Bro, ones. There are there's so, some average ones, but not not there good ones. There are so many episodes about goddamn Bajor, bro. Like, Dude, those fucking Bajor religion episodes are some of the worst shit I kind of like the Kai Win episodes, man. No, I'm not talking about Kai Win episodes. I'm talking about Bajor religion episodes. There are episodes just about the fucking ba- Bajorian religion that are so boring. I swear to God. I, I love DS9. I do. But there's some there's some some episodes I don't want to watch. There's there's worse episodes than that even though. Those aren't bad though. Like those I, are the ones like I the, don't the like. The temple the most. ones aren't bad. Like the the bad bad ones are like the fucking the like the the uh, wharf in Dax honeymoon one where they go down to that like spa planet or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that one is. And he's like intolerable. I, I don't want to be happy. Oh yeah, that like yeah, it's the, pretty miserable. Yeah, I, I would take that over a fucking beige or religion. Really episode, interesting. I, 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 those are my most hated episodes of Star Trek. I will say, like, I love DS Nine, and it is probably my favorite Star Trek series. But mm-hmm. there are episodes of DS Nine that I hate more than any other Star Trek episodes. I think weird. Like, I really fucking hate the Bajoran religion. I really hate Bajor. So, the, Bajor sucks. Bajor is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> the 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 worst. Bajor episode has got to be the fucking um, uh, Kiko O'Brien Bajor oh. when she's down there running the fucking uh, Keiko, plant yeah. shit. Yeah, Keiko is uh, man, not the greatest character. Not 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 the, the best not, character not, to focus not on. Not the best portrayal of like a woman. A woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the best. Like she's really not portrayed very well. Yeah, kind of sucks because like. Miles is so rad. Like, Miles is lovely. They should have found any actress that had any kind of like chemistry with him because uh-huh. like they have the least chemistry of any two people I think I have ever seen on screen. Like it is, yeah, painful. Yeah, like uh-huh. every episode, he's like, "I know I have a wife and kid, but I'd rather spend time with Julian in the Hollow Suite." Yep. Like doing World War Which, II shit together. Honestly, considering their portrayal of Keiko makes sense. Yeah. Because, like, I wouldn't want to hang out with Keiko either. Keiko's like, hey, can I come to World War II? And he's like, no, honey, this is not for you. You're not going to enjoy this. Yeah. Yep. Um, Sometimes you just rather be hanging with the boys in the in the hollow suite. It's basically yeah. what we're doing. Indeed. Um, Anywho, um, let's. Uh, Go into the subspace void? Let's do it. And it's not what that's called. It's called uh, something other than Subspace that. transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions is a part of the show where we look at some uh, get some, some talk, some internet talk. Yeah, where what, we, what, what the people are saying about what, the uh, what Star What the people Trek. are saying. So people have been, so let me give you some, some reports from the front lines. Mm-hmm. People are saying a lot about Star Trek. They always do. Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some stuff people are saying about Strange New Worlds. Strange. Strange New World. Dr. Strange uh, New World. Dave Mustaine New World. Sure. Hello, Star. It's Trek again. Ugh. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, all right, let's just kick things off with some Reddit comments. Oh, boy. Reddit user Sparkling Zone says, A promising start. Few things didn't sit well, especially the politics. 
I really don't watch Star Trek to get some one-sided take on current events, and it won't age well in the future when someone watches this series and says it's imminent, doesn't happen. Well, let's hope, LOL. I mean, I... uh, Yeah, they've already had dates in Star Trek that have, like, come and passed, and, like, if the bell rights don't happen two years from now, are you going to get pissed at DS9? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's it. Like, come uh, on. Yeah, like, that's come, a good point. I mean, yeah, I agree. Don't put them in the present for an entire season. Mm-hmm. But, and yeah, it was a promising start. But uh, the politics thing, we've already talked about that. We've already talked about that. Um, Renegade Puma says, just want to say, I'm a conservative through and through. I love all Star Trek, always have. This episode was amazing. Seeing the clips didn't bother me at all. I also condemned what happened on January 6th. We're not all morons. Good for you. Good good for you. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I agree with the politics of Star Trek, but I was bothered by the clips of January 6th because <laughs> it was pretty lazy. Pretty cringe. It was lazy and cringe, and uh-huh. I'm like... Why didn't they just show a clip of the Bell Riots? That would have been tight. A clip of the Bell Riots are like, you know, fucking like just... Like, from that DS9 episode. Like, straight up, just use a clip from a DS9 episode. That would be so cool. Yeah. They have the rights to that. Yeah, they right? They own it. That. They own all of it. <clears throat> so I mean, dumb. what, do they not want to pay Avery Brooks the 45 cents it's going to cost you each time you play the episode? <laughs> Come on. Probably. Probably. Honestly. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so here's some Twitter stuff. Love NY Compass says, "Got a chance to finish the other series and start watching hashtag Strange New Worlds." It referred to what I call at home January six 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 as the Civil War relitigated then World War three. The point was that we must wake up. The worst can happen if we let it. Please, no more failure of imagination. <laughs> this I mean, is an I, unhinged comment. I feel like the failure of imagination was putting the the January six clips in there. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Neat. Seth Maskett says, "Okay, hashtag Strange New Worlds is good and cool. Brief reference to January 6th He's he's uh, he's got a, a check mark. Yeah, he's got a blue check. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who that person is, though. Seth Maskett. Uh, I don't care, and I think he's got a dumb opinion. So. <clears throat> yeah, that's a stupid opinion. And only five likes. Fuck you, Seth. Yeah, mm. it wasn't very popular. Uh, mm. Cactus Emoji says something very strange. I only want to watch hashtag Strange New Worlds if I can be part of an online movement that gets Rebecca Romaine fired. Is that mean? Why? Yeah, why? She's I, fine. Yeah, I don't understand. Does she? I tried to look into this to see if there was some kind of controversy yeah, there. Yeah, if there's I could any not politics find, or anything. I could not find anything. No, uh, so I don't know. Oh, you know who Cactus Emoji is? <laughs> Jonathan Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's, 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 a bitter, it's obviously John a Stamos. A bitter divorce John Stamos posing <laughs> as a Cactus Emoji. Yeah. Just to, to with like, zero hate, likes, like just a, to hate on his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, fucking cactus emoji on Twitter with like twenty followers. Uh huh. Yep, that's awesome. That's definitely John Stamos. Fucking, you rule, John Stamos. Hell yeah. Keep it real, Uncle Jesse. We, You're doing we, the real shit. We love that. Uh, um, okay, so let's do some IMDb reviews like now. John Stamos trick. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
Um, IMDb reviews now. This is uh, a review on IMDb to, for the first episode of Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Two out of ten. Just horrible. I fully expected a bunch of woke nonsense, and episode one did not disappoint. America bad. Patriotism bad. Etc. How did we ever survive? Pike's speech showing the aliens what it Earth's history, if filled with, was just awful. ST has always had some social commentary, but this is ridiculous. First, it's season two of Picard, and not this nonsense. As a lifelong Trek fan, it is so disappointing. Yeah, they really got a lot of mileage out of that, like, two seconds worth of January 6th footage. Yeah, they did. Like, they drummed up so much dumb controversy. It's woke, bro. Oh, yeah. Go um, woke, go, go broke. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read this entire comment, but I am going to read part of it. Um, This is another review that gave it, I think, one or two stars. This series is set hundreds of years in the future, but a flashback to what is presumably footage of 2020 election protesters are shown in front of the U.S. Capitol, and then it's strongly suggested, and I am not making this up, that this was the prelude to either the Second Civil War or World War III. Either way, the entire planet is decimated, and it's all Trump's fault, or the Republicans, or both. My son and I recoiled in disbelief as we let out our simultaneous gasps. Yeah. I'm very confused. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> yeah. So, the Europa space mission still happens, right? And, and, uh, yes. fucking Rene Picard brings back the thing that, like, cleans up all the air and the seas and the skies. Yeah. But then World War Three happens in the Second Civil War and the Eugenics War happens? Maybe it happens simultaneously? I don't know. But also, like, but Dr. Soon, like, he was going to be given credit, uh, you know, if he stopped the Europa mission yeah. by, like, um, putting big shields all over the Earth or something. I don't know. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like all of the history in Picard season two yeah. doesn't work in the context of any other Star Trek. And I think yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if all the other Star Trek going forward just kind of ignores it. Yeah, they should. They should. Because it, really it was a should. real dog shit everything. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so this was one of my complaints with uh, with this, this first episode as well. But I thought this was an interesting perspective. This is an excerpt from an IMDb review. As a deaf person, reading the subtitles was far from a pleasurable experience, not to mention impossible. Thanks to the pacing, I missed the vast majority of all dialogue with all of the scenes blurring past. Hmm. Um, the only way to watch this with my disability is to pause every few seconds just to read. That stretches the watching experience over almost double the playtime. Man, that sucks. I- <clears throat> I didn't think about I how non-accessible about this was. Yeah. But like when watching it, it felt like really fast pacing. I yeah. struggled. I, I like to read subtitles sometimes yeah. just to like fully understand what people are saying. Mm-hmm. And I also found this episode a little difficult to do that with. It's easier to turn the subtitles off because the pacing is so quick. Hmm. Um, and I think that that's, 
probably not a good thing. No, no, non-accessibility yeah, is not a good thing. That's probably not a good thing. I yeah. would say like, hey, maybe slower pacing. But yeah, episode two, episode two does slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another ex- excerpt from a low IMDb review. Showing a cl- film clip of January 6th without mentioning <laughs> the months and months and months of unfettered BLM, violent rooting, uh, <laughs> violent rioting, and looting. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yep. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, all of those BLM uh, riots um, mm-hmm. stormed the halls of Congress. Yep. Trying to overturn a legitimate election. <laughs> yes. That's what BLM was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Especially with that, uh, you know, like police station they burned down in Minneapolis that ended up being right-wingers. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Super. Super cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, four out of ten. Is Uhuru the new Wesley Crusher? That's the buzz on fan sites I go to. What? Is Uhuru the new Wesley Crusher? Don't you agree? <laughs> yes. Uhuru is the new Wesley Crusher. You can't deny that Uhuru is the new Wesley Crusher. You know what I have to say to this? What? Uhuru is the new Wesley Crusher. Wouldn't you say? I think I would say Uhuru is the new Wesley Crusher. But you know who the new Wesley Crusher is? <laughs> Uhuru? Uhuru. <laughs> four, four out of ten. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. No <laughs> other explanation. No. Uhuru's the new Wesley Crusher. Exactly. Um, I love that. Beautiful. Fine. Beautiful. Just fine. Beautiful. Now we're going to Facebook. Oh, no. James Dillon says, sorry, I just can't watch SNW. His hair. It's just too thick and luxurious. Kirk with his thinning hair. Picard and Cisco with full frontal baldness. Pike's hair is not canon. I just can't. I love that, to be honest. Okay. That guy rocks okay. so Brit, much. Yeah. Brit, the amount of talk about Captain Pike's hair uh-huh. on the internet would sicken you. No, it's it's his great hair. He's got no, great no, hair. No, 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 no. They don't of, like his hair? The amount of people complaining about his hair. He's got such an amazing head of hair. Brit, right now, in the official Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus discussion Facebook group, mm-hmm. which has 20,000 members, mm-hmm. there is a thread started yesterday about people complaining about his hair that currently has over 300 comments. What a, what about Kirk's hair? <laughs> Kirk had nice hair. Yeah. Yeah, it was thinning by the time the movies came around, but like mm-hmm. he had a fucking like, you know, fucking the uh, like the same cut basically. Not as big, but mm-hmm. there have been people with hair in Star Trek before. Oh, I agree. I think it is hilarious <laughs> that they hate his hair, but a lot of people really hate his hair. It's really fucking weird. Um that's such a weird thing to hate. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, I want you to read the middle comment after I read the first and the third comment. Uh-huh. 
Sound, or after I read the first comment, you yeah, read the yeah. middle comment, I read the third comment, okay? Ray Thomas says, Evidently, the 30% of Earth's population that was killed during World War III were all men, and they never made a comeback. Brett Michael Benzinger says, Ray Thomas, what the fuck toxic BS comment is that? And Ray Thomas responds, It's called free speech, Fuck you very much. Woo! <laughs> this is the kind of conversation that happens on those groups. It's pretty I great. I love it. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, some other weird complaints here. Darren Bilecki says, I have loved the episodes so far, but I have to say Spock's sideburns were terribly distracting for me for whatever reason. They're distracting, bro. Yeah. Spikes, uh, Spock's sideburns. Yeah. What if he had starburns? That would be pretty sick. Right? Yeah. They're just cut into stars. So, so there are actually Starfleet regulation sideburns. They're like yeah. the the triangular type ones, oh. like taper. Oh. Yeah. Like I seriously. Yeah. Like, that's in, in Star Trek, there are Starfleet tight. regulation sideburns. Yeah. That's why you don't see anyone with like big mutton chops on Star uh, Star Trek at all. That's too bad. I couldn't be a Starfleet officer. You couldn't. Wow. Like James James Hetfield could not be a Starfleet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brad VH says this show is a bomb for the soul. I love it already. Bomb for the soul. It's a bomb for the soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bomb Steve Borgstrom says Borgstrom. That's a highly sus that's last a sick, name. Sick name. Says. Anson Mount is literally the most beautiful man on the planet, and I'm straight. His calm demeanor soothes me. Steve Borgstrom, more like um, Resistance is Fuse, Steve. Nope. <laughs> Here's a response to that. Anita Davis says, Steve, hey, I'm a lesbian. He does nothing for me, but who can deny that he has an attractive face? But Star Trek doesn't hire ugly anyway. What? The Trek actors slash actresses whose face we see range from gorgeous to average. No, but uglies. So so <laughs> this is actually kind of true about new Trek. Yeah. But if you're talking about old Trek, they have fucking they have like... a very diverse cast of people. Like Barclay is not a good looking man. He looks unfortunate at best. <laughs> like fucking... You know, they they have a diverse range of of human yeah, looking yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you know, like I, I would say, like I Chief like O'Brien is O'Brien. a very human looking. He's man. a very normal looking dude. Yeah, he's an everyman, and that's yes. why we love him. We uh, love him. You know, Armin Shimmerman looks a lot like the guy who plays Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica. What? Yeah, the the guy who plays Quark. Oh. Oh, sorry. I was, no, I wasn't thinking of Armin Shimmerman. Sorry, I was thinking of uh, what's his name? Uh, Alexander um, o- Ocasio Cortez. <laughs> Whoa, uh, you know the guy who plays uh, uh, you know, Doctor on. Oh, oh, um, oh yeah, fucking yeah, uh, uh Julian Bashir. Julian Bashir. Yeah, I forget his name. Alexander Siddig. Siddig. Yeah. Alexander Siddig. Wow, where this is falling apart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Gregory D. Rico says, because Starfleet is now one big, squishy, homogenous, woke, man-hating pap smear. 
Um, I mean, no, I, I will agree. They try too hard to force stories by casting a lot of the time. Um, and like force conflict and also like, you know, at least in Picard, all the guys are fucking idiots. But I mean, all the characters are idiots though. No, like the, the like at least in the last season, like Girardi, um, fucking seven and, uh, um, uh, Rafi were like the only three doing actionable things most of the time. Like everyone else was like bumbling around and almost dying. Yes, but to be fair, those characters were also kind of bumbling around. They they were they weren't like doing good. I don't know. But they were doing like action movie stuff, and mm. and everyone else was like Rios was always in the hospital and shit, uh, and always fucking up and in jail. It had to be was, saved. Elnor was dead. So, so that's the thing. Everyone <laughs> had to be saved by them, right? Sure. Like, those are the only three who actually did anything actionable and consequential, really. Except for uh, Picard getting over his mother's death and putting a key in a certain place, and Rios fucking up the timeline and mm-hmm. staying behind to be a stepdad in World War Three. Correct. It's like, yeah. you know. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Picard was always, like, dying... Exactly. Yeah, being Picard, an old man. Yeah, Picard was just bumbling death. around and be like, "I've got to forgive my father." And he was like, "Hell, hey, put you how, through a weird test so you can fuck a Romulan girl." How sick would it be if, like, at the end of the final episode of Picard, Q is like, "I did this all for you, Mon Capitan," and then Picard and John Delancey just start making out. That would be so awesome. And then they make out for like. Five whole minutes, and it like, but there's like a camera rotating around them, and they're just like, yeah, and they're just making out, and like it's just a long makeout, and then uh, then Q just says, "You're pregnant," and then (laughs) cut to credits, (laughs) cut to credits. That's season three of Picard. He's a pregnant robot old man. Oh my god, I love that so much. Oh my god, and he's carrying the next race of Q. Yes. Like he's he's like all mm-hmm. of the Q are dying and so like And it gives him an extra reason to waddle around and be feeble mm-hmm. and like <laughs> they just put a fat suit on him. And and yeah. he's just like I'm craving pickles and peanut butter for some reason. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh-huh. that's like every episode he's just got like I want ice cream. <laughs> And sauerkraut for some reason. But then, like, the cue that's growing inside him starts doing, like, fucking with the environment around him. Like, sending him through space and time. Mm-hmm. It's basically Rick and Morty, but, like, Patrick Stewart and a cue that's growing inside his body that was impregnated to him by Q. Yeah. Q, how do you think maraschino cherries would be on pizza? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go to ancient Egypt. Uh, you know you're paying for this baby, right, Q? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, and then he has to track down Q to get him to pay alimony. And, and, and it's a Q court-like uh-huh. encounter at Farpoint. Yes! Yeah! yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. This yeah. is the show you should be writing. Alex Kurtzman, we know you're listening. Yeah. Please, come on. Hire us as writers. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it'll be Star Trek Q Baby Daddy. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's get Q-pilled. Mm, yeah. Let's. <laughs> no, it's Star Trek QAnon, obviously. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Brett Zalkin says, Does Hammer count as a white male? He's very white. <laughs> <laughs> that is 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. He's a he's like a Mothman prophecy. He, he is a Mothman prophecy. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, I think that's all I got for subspace transmissions this week. Lovely, lovely. Well, uh, I think case. it's time to wrap things up with think... uh, our last segment. It is. Will the awaiting pinch when somebody had to die? But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. It's beautiful. Today we remember Lieutenant Lee Kelso a navigator aboard the Enterprise A under Captain James T. Kirk, who was killed on the planet Delta Vega by asphyxiation via an electrical conduit cord after Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell gained profound psychological powers and used them to strangle Kelso. (laughs) Kelso's death Uh could have been prevented and was subsequently avenged by Captain Kirk, who Uh killed Mitchell with the help of the telepathic abilities of Dr. Elizabeth Denner, ship psychiatrist. R.I.P. Lieutenant Lee Kelso. We hardly knew ye. Also, fuck you, Gary Mitchell. (laughs) Fuck you very much, Gary Mitchell. You piece of shit. Yeah, fuck off. Well, anyways. Anyways, yeah. Captain's Log, supplemental. Looks like that's all. And it's time for us to warp away. Thanks for joining us, Trekkies. Be well, travel safe. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition, number 285 says, no good deed ever goes unpunished. Hang Hang dong and and shocker. shocker.